Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible. Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical. Calling on my bros one time, cause you special. I had some who dreams of right rounds for my mental. Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil. Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry. Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly. Now Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alrighty, guys, we are back with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by BetOnline. I'm your host, Andrew Robinson, as always. And before we introduce our guest for today, definitely got to get the business out the way, guys. If you're watching this podcast on YouTube, stop what you're doing right now. Go ahead and tap that subscribe button. We just hit 8,600 subscribers on YouTube. We're almost at 10K. So shout out to you guys for showing us love on YouTube. Um, if you're watching this or listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, go ahead and give us a five-star uh, rating, follow the show, like it, um, all that there, man. It goes a long way and just... Helping the show got there to everybody uh, who needs to hear the good gospel here at the What's In Your Bag podcast. That's my guy, Pull Up Tay. On the intro, it's going to be him again on the outro. He dropped a new album. Make sure y'all stream his music, one of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of DMV. But now that we got all that out the way, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm pleased to introduce our guest for today. Me and this guest go way back, man, to the DMV days. 2014 Capital Classic, man. Almost, almost 10 years in, man. It's crazy. Um, sure. this guy has a crazy, crazy resume, man. All-time leading scorer at Mount St. Joe's, two-time Natty champ, first-team All Big East, Big East All Tournament team. One of the greats to come out of DMV, man. We're honored to have my guy on the platform, man. Phil Booth, what's up, my boy? What's up, man? I'm glad to have me on, man. Appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt, man. Like I said, it's been a long time coming, man. Since uh, that Capital Classic back in 2014, man. We're definitely gonna get into all that, but. I know right now you're out in Miami, you know, enjoying the offseason, man. So how, how's that going so far? Miami's going good, man. It's only my second time actually ever coming to the city. So I'm just down here just working out, just getting myself back uh, into the shape I want to be and taking it from there. Now, for the folks who don't know, man, like what does an offseason look like, you know, for a, a pro athlete, right? Because I know, you know, it can be difficult. Obviously, it's tough. You know, you got that nine, ten-month bid overseas. Your body's tired when you first get home. So – what is your process like first trying to hop back into that routine of working out in the off season? And then what does a typical day, day look like for you uh, training? I mean, yeah, it's, it's tricky, man. You do 10 months over there. So then when you come home, you only really got two months and some change, really. Uh, I came home like late May this time. So I had a little more, but you only got like two months. So you kind of have, have everything kind of planned out. I mean, it's, it's ever however you want to live. You know, some guys, you know, got families and stuff, so they live with them. You know, me, I don't. I mean, I have my family at home, but I don't have no personal family to me. So I kind of just move around and just see people I want to see, my friends, you know, my family. And I move around like that, kind of on the go. I'm kind of in different spots all the time, to be honest, just moving around. But that's kind of how it goes, man. You got to rest up, but then you got to get back to work. I think I took two weeks off. And I was like, man, I can't take no much time off more. You know, it just, it just the, more, the longer you wait, the worse it is to come back. back. So I just, 
<laughs> yeah, so I don't like taking more too. So I'm getting myself back in shape now and just head down. Yeah, yeah. I hey, are you on you gonna get back in the gym with Maul when you get back home? Cause I know Maul workouts be crazy. You, you take too much time off, he's gonna try to burn you that first workout. <laughs> Bro, my first week back, I worked out with Maul. So Maul had me for a week, man. I, I need it, but Maul had me dead, bro. It's just every time I know, but it's always good work. It's always love. That's my guy for real. Cool. I know Maul gonna watch this, man. So shout out Maul, man. 9450. Y'all watch man. Tap in with him. Tap in with him if you're back home in the DMV area, man. But we're going to get into it, man. Before we get into, like, the, the, the college career and the pro career, man, I want to rewind it, man. But I want to ask you this, man. Because I've been meaning to ask you this for a minute, man. You know, went to Mount St. Joe's in high school up in B-Moore. But you played for TakeOver in AAU, you know, D.C., DMV team, man. So do you claim Baltimore? Do you claim the DMV? Where do you fall into that matrix, man? Because you know I'll get back home. That's a great question, man. I kind of can play it safe because I'm in between. Like, you know, I got love for both sides. I mean, playing takeover and then being around D.C. at that time in terms with the, the WCAC and the level of basketball that was being played. It was high level at that time. So I had a really thing for just basketball-wise D.C., but just growing up in the Baltimore area my whole life, just playing against those hoopers and that mentality down there is different. So, I mean, I play both. I think both got a, a, a strong impact. On my game now, both sides. I mean, I love playing takeover. I love playing for St. Joe. So it's all ball love both ways. Okay, so you don't you you don't you don't claim one or the other. No, no, I don't. I don't. I play. <laughs> I play clean, man. I don't claim. Be <laughs> smart man, smart man. So you mentioned that uh, takeover team. You know, uh, obviously that you played on man yourself. Guys, shout out James Palmer. We had him on once in your back a couple of weeks back. Um, Trey Campbell, Dion Wiley. Like, y'all had a bunch of uh, dudes on that team. And talk about that team takeover team. Because obviously back in 2014, um, you know, we came out that year. And, yeah, yeah, y'all had a crazy roster, man. Takeover always has crazy teams. But, you know, what do you remember about just, you know, your your year with takeover, some of the guys you had down there playing with. And then also, this, I remember EYBL that, at that that time was crazy. With, I remember E1T1 had, like, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, uh, Grayson Allen. Like, talk about the guys y'all, y'all had to go up against uh, during that EYBL season as well. I mean, man, that team takeover team was loaded. I mean, I, we won our first seventeen games. We was our only undefeated team in the uh, in the YBL at that time in that year. What a crazy year! The only reason we lost was because we didn't have Dion for the weekend. I think we was in we was in Minnesota. Dion could make the trip, so that's the only reason we lost. But man, it was loaded. That talent around there, we played Houston hoops. We had Winslow, Aaron Fox, Kelly Oubre. I mean, they were stacked, and we beat them. And uh, it was so many other teams on there. I mean, it was like. Two or three NBA dudes on each team at, at and it felt like in that league, bro. I mean, Oakland Soldiers had Aaron Gordon and Stanley Johnson at the time. Like it was it was loaded back then. So that was a EYBL was so much fun, bro. I mean, I love high school, but playing EYBL, playing against that talent on that circuit, you going to Texas, you know what I'm saying? We're going to Texas, Minnesota, LA, man. These are big trips for us at the time. We only about 16 years old. So just being on the road, moving like that, Boo Williams playing that talent, that stuff was fun, bro. And that's why we all still cool to this day because we just really did our stuff together. Me, James, Trey, Deion, so talk to them dudes. So it's all love, man. That was a great time. No, fact. And did they use the hoops? Didn't they have uh, Justin Jackson as well that went to UNC? Yeah, I didn't say him. See, I didn't even say him. Yeah, he was in that team for sure. Yeah, yeah, bro. Man, it's crazy because before Houston hoops, bro, this is back when it was AAU Nationals, before EYBL, we played against a team called uh, Houston Select. And they had mm-hmm. yeah. Kelly, yep, Kelly Oubre. 
They had Justice Winslow, and they had a bull by the name of Tony Upchurch. But he was like a top 10 player in the country. But he was a football player, bro. Like, yeah. basketball back in the day, that team was so hectic, bro. I remember, bro, Kelly Oubre was like one of the role players. He wasn't even really a main. This is like 13 or 14 and under, bro. Crazy team. He played right. against um, Simeon. No, not an A team one, Simeon. The, the, the team was um, it was a team out of Chicago. Yeah, it Mac was. Nah, it, so th- this team became Mac Irvin. Ferrari. Uh, it was the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ferrari, yeah, yeah bro. Yeah, <laughs> bro yeah, Ferrari. Yeah. It was Jalil Okafor, Paul, Paul White, Miles yeah, Reynolds. Bro, uh-huh. they had a – and then that team became Whitney Young. All of them went like Whitney Young. And then uh-huh. uh, one of Mac Irvin, bro. So it was crazy, man, them AAU days, man. Around that time, 2014 class was hectic, man. Wow. Loaded, loaded, loaded time, bro. A lot of time on the court, bro. A lot of time yeah. on the court. Facts. Now, um, I want to talk about that uh, Capital Classic game back in 2014, the U.S. Uh, versus, uh, obviously, Capital All-Stars. I mean, that game was loaded as well. Obviously, DMV was myself, you, Melo Trimble. Um, Wiley was supposed to play, but he didn't end up playing. Um, but we had, obviously, James Palmer, uh, Trey Porter, Shnano Walker, who ended up going to Louisville. He's overseas now doing his thing. Um, the U.S. All-Stars, they had the Martin Twins. I don't know if you remember that. Um Jaquan Newton, Angel Delgado, Kadeen Kerrigan. It was a wild game. Um, mm-hmm. Crazy, obviously, now, man, seeing, obviously, the Martin Twins in the league doing their thing. But um, just what do you remember about that game um, and about just uh, being able to play against, you know, all them guys, seeing where everybody has been able to go since then? That game was a blur for I remember just being fun to be out there with everybody else in that court. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of our last kind of time being on the court against each other until we all went off to college for. That was the last real thing. Of being in that area, maybe playing against each other, then we were always kind of gone in constant ways. That's kind of I remember it as. I remember we had practice for that thing. Then we did a practice for that a couple times <laughs> in that area. So I was still there to slide all the way down to PG County. That was kind of a hike for me, but yeah, <laughs> man, it was just it was really our last time. Really was really was really around each other in that in that sense because you know we all went our different places. But that was cool, man. For sure. Now I looked this up, man. It said that you. When you left, I know you were the all-time leading scorer at Mount St. Joe. Does that record still stand? Did anybody hawk you down yet? No, nah, that's not even me, though. That's wrong, though. It's uh, Cam had uh, – Cam Williams was the all-time leading scorer. And then I uh, think uh, I think little, little James Bishop that came out after passed him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's the all-time leading scorer, I think, now. So it's Bishop. Okay. I think Bishop's W right now, I think. Yeah, I think he's still DW. Yep, yep, he is. So – I want to talk about the Catholic like I said, me being more of a you know DNV guy, right? You think about the Catholic League, you mentioned WCAC, you got you know DeMatha, Gonzaga, St. John's, Paul Six, O'Connell, right? But the Baltimore Catholic League is 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 a real good league as well. Obviously, you know, Mount St. Joe's, you got St. Francis, you got Calvert Hall, it's a bunch of schools up there that, that, that play um in that private school league. And you guys yourself, you know, you got to, got to play with Jalen Adams, uh, who's obviously another guy who had a great career in college at St. Bonnie's and overseas. Um, you guys had a bunch of guys come through Mount St. Joe's. You already mentioned Cam Williams that went to Ohio State and James Bishop that's at GW, went to LSU out of, out of college. But in Young Bull, obviously just left there, but, you know, they had Bryson Tucker that was there. Yeah. Five-star prospect. Daryl Morsell came out of Mount St. Joe's, right? Um, talk about the amount of guys that, you know, have come out of Mount St. Joe's and just – you know, what it was like playing in that Baltimore Catholic League for people who might not know about it on a national scale. I feel like most people know about the WCAC and stuff like that, but, you know, it's also some good bump up there. John Carroll, you know, a man who quickly was over there at John Carroll uh, for mm-hmm. 
because I know everybody knows who that is. Another school in that Baltimore Catholic League. Uh, did you talk about that experience, you know, in 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 high school at, at MSJ? That was a tough league too, and it, and it was a it was a league like WCAC that favored older guys. So when you were younger playing out there, those guys were like growing into you know what I'm saying. And the, and the bump was tough, night in night out. I mean, with St. Francis, Spalding, uh, John Carroll, you had all those guys now missing like O'Calvo Hall, and those those are rivalry games. You know, them games were tough. Yep. And I always actually really wanted to play WCC too because I always felt like we matched up well against that league. I feel like the leagues are similar in terms of just toughness and grit and what it took out there. So, I mean, any chance to 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 play against that league, I would. But that that the BCL man has been great. Uh, a lot of good guys come out here. Jalen Smith from our school, you know, yes, a lot of patients now, man. We got it's a few dudes coming out, like you said, quickly. Like the talent rolling in is coming out of there. I think it won't stop like that. Baltimore just a good hub. For players, and I think it's gonna keep going up. But, but man, it was it was a good time. No facts. I I I I'm mad because I can't remember his name right now. But St. Francis got a young man right now who's like a five star prospect, a, a guard come out of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name right now. But he he next up though out of B more for sure. It's been a bunch of bulls that come no. out of the league right now. Um, so talk to me about Villanova, man. Like what what went into the year process to commit to Villanova? Um, what were your kind of some other schools that you were looking at at that time, you know, and what made Villanova feel like the right place that you wanted to call home, you know, for your college career? Yeah, I mean, at that time, it came down to it was Nova, Georgetown, Virginia, Indiana, and Temple. That was my final five. At the time, I really loved Georgetown, but you know, what I mean, I really didn't. They was running the Princeton offense over there, I just really wasn't winning at that time, I just couldn't do it. But ideally wise, that fit perfect. DC, I'm like 45 minutes from home. That was like ideal. Uh, I liked Indiana a lot too. Like Virginia, just play a little slow. Yeah. And the old man, it was like it kind of made it simple. Like they was the one of the few places at that time. Everybody does it now, where you play like two point guards at a time, two or three shooting guards at a time. You know, everybody was still kind of playing position based point guard, shooting guard. You know what I'm saying? We play small. So I just thought minutes wise, get on the court, and then the way the freedom coach right gives his guards, I'm like. It was ideal, and that's what it was too. I mean, they they preached that when they recruiting, like, "Yo, you gonna get freedom? Coach gonna challenge you, but you get freedom. We play like guards together." I was like maybe the fourth guard on the on the on the roster in terms of like playing wise. We had Archie Diakono, Dylan Ennis, Darren Hilliard, blah blah. So like, yeah, another guard. But we played so many guards together. That I was able to get out there in my first year, play seventeen minutes a game. Other places, I don't think it would have happened like that. And uh that's what it, I mean, that was just the biggest thing, just that that choosing the opportunity. And Coach Wright, it was, he was like, he was how it was, man. He was tough when he rides, but he let you hoop on offensive end, gave you freedom. You saw how we played, we shoot threes, you space it out. So I just, I just trusted there and it worked out well, man. It sure did. It sure did. We're definitely <laughs> going to get into that, man. But um, I had the opportunity to play two years for Baker Dunleavy, who was a Jay Wright disciple, Um, you know, sure. Sure. Yeah. with you guys at Villanova. So we 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 had that whole Villanova uh system at Quinnipiac. Yeah, yeah I bet, added I bet. two points. Yeah, we had the jump stop pivot drill. I, I bro, I promise you, I don't think I ever actually like practiced literally as a grown like man in college, driving, jump stopping, pivot, pivot, and throwing it back out in a in a college practice, bro. Like I was in fourth grade fundamentals, bro. When did that? Yeah. When you, was that part of the I don't know was that part of the pit they tell you all that it's gonna be that like fundamental because if you watch the Villanova highlight tape it's like it's like robotic almost everybody drive 
back pivot, back pivot, hook, fade. Like we all do the same, same pivots, same footwork. You get to the hop jumper. Hop Bruh, jumper. Yep, hop jumper. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when did when did like when did you realize or like kind of how did that was that part of the recruitment pitch? And then like as a guard, I feel like in your mind, man, I'm trying boogie, man, I'm trying to get in there and shoot Florida. Uh, like, you know, how did you have to adjust to that when you first came in? You know what? We used to drill it so much and and like with drills, then it became like habits. So it's really like you would catch yourself playing and just, just jump stop. you like, yo, why am I jump stopping so much? He would kind of correct it in practice if he like, he really just didn't want you driving and throwing the ball and he jumping in the air and throwing the pass. He hated that the most. Yeah. And then it became bad for everybody. Next thing you know, we just be pivoting and just pivoting and everybody do it. And it was different for me for sure because, uh, yeah, like you said, you would get to a flow to step back. So it was kind of really like playing off my jumper more. We had the freedom to just uh, – catch and shoot the ball anytime we wanted to in terms of we was thought we was open. So I learned to play off my mid-range more, and I was always a good mid-shooter. But, yeah, it was different at first. I never jumped stuff like that in my life. And then next thing you know, I was doing it every damn play. Man, shout out shout out to them, uh, the, them like I said, them jump stops and back pivots, man, and uh, them attitude days. That was, <laughs> that was something else, man. One, two, three, attitude. <laughs> man, so. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was something else. Um, I want to get to you. Know, I feel like what was kind of your coming out party, man, and that obviously that 15, 16 year when you guys were able to win national championship, man. And that was, I feel like, up to that point, right? Bill Nova hadn't been able to get over the hump, you know what I'm saying, as far as winning it all, right? You guys had obviously been in the tournament, been a big East powerhouse and stuff like that. But um, since like the Roly Massimino days, this was the first time you guys were really, you know, back uh, in a na- national title conversation. And that team was loaded, obviously yourself, you know, Josh Hart, Chris Jenkins, Archie Diacono, um, Daniel Cheffu. You guys had, you know, a crazy mob that year. And you, I remember, man, watching that game and you yeah. had a funny ball in the natty chip, right? So just talk yeah. one, that game, right? Like what was, what was your, your mindset going into that game? Like, Cause I feel like again that team, right? You were you were only a sophomore. You playing with Josh Hart, Archie Diakono. You were it wasn't like you were one of the main guys. So you know how did it? How did it? How did the game break down to where you ended up having a big night? You know, in in that Natty Chip game. Man, <laughs> yo, it's all over your blur in the game. At that point, I'm only averaging like seven the game off six. Man, I got a bad knee all year. I didn't get it fixed after the season, so I'm playing on a bad knee all season, bro. And uh, I mean, at that point, we the chips. So I'm just like. I'll come off this bench. I'm going to do whatever it takes us to win this game. We on the tip, right? So this is ain't nothing else in my mind. I think that's what allowed me to have a big game. I wasn't thinking about getting the buck. I'm just like, if it's a rebound or a dive or just something, keep me out here to make some plays on this game. And I remember I hit a – Daniel hit me with a three, like passed to me, skipped to me a three on the right wing. I was like, bam, three. I was like, okay. And I kind of got my got like a little rhythm. But then in the second half, we see like me scoring. I got like I'm just I'm just hooping at that point. At that point, like it don't even feel like I'm in that gym. It feel like I'm just an open run. It just feel like, you know, it just it just felt like 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 just the rhythm I was in. So I just was hooping, flowing. They was giving me confidence. The ball was going in. The ball was finding me. It just felt like all the looks felt good. It just felt like I was in my own world. To be honest, bro. It just felt like I was just just floating out there. So when you think back to now, obviously, this is what 2023. So we're seven years removed from that first natty chip. Like, 
you would think like, damn, bro, really had 20 points in the natty. Like, how do you reflect back on that? Because that's hectic. You feel me? Especially as a sophomore, right? It wasn't even like you were a senior or one of the main guys. Like, I feel like forever you can be able to look back on that. Yeah, I had 20 natty chip. You know what I'm saying? Go check that out. Like, how do you even think about that in your head? You know what I'm saying? And yeah, it gets to your point. I mean, yeah, that that team, that that team was like, like I didn't say, but Daniel Cheffel was on that team, big senior leader. You know, Archie Jackano, who's still in the league. Brunson was a starting point guard. You know what I'm saying? And the Josh Harden three, Crystal four. Like we was loaded. You know, that wasn't that team could do a lot. And uh, I mean, it's crazy. People still talk about it to this day going up around school in Philly area. They just they still remember it. I mean, it's crazy when I think about it. And I was six for seven from the field. Like I don't, I've never shot like that. That's like the best game of my life. It's like I'm almost played perfect. But I mean, <laughs> six for twenty. So I mean, it's just it's just crazy. When I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, that was just a crazy night, bro. And that was the last thing on my mind, like thinking I'm a good twenty. Like, bro, I was just trying to win that game. Yeah. All right. So obviously, I gotta ask you about the shot, man. Um, when Marcus Page hits that three right on the right wing, what's going through your mind, right? And I and it's crazy, bro, because we had that the the Chris Jenkins play. Baker brought that same play to Quinnipiac, bro. It's wild. Um, and I think we literally might have called it Wildcat or something like that, Miss, which is crazy. Yeah. What is going through your mind, man, when Marcus Page hits that through? Are you thinking, damn, like, all right, we're going to OT? You know what I'm saying? And then just walk me through that next four or five seconds that ensues. I mean, it's the shot. I see a double clutch. I'm just like, in the game, I was just like, all right. I just saw we have like four seconds left on the clock. I'm like, all right, at least we get a shot up here. I'm definitely thinking probably OT. Because he make a shot like that, we probably go to the So I'm just like, all right, let's get to the huddle. We knew what play we was going to run before we got there. We practiced every day. So, like, we knew we was going to call. We just – nobody really panicked. We was kind of just like, all right, like, my boy Daniel misses a steal. He shoots a double clutch three. If it's going to happen like that, it's going to happen like that. So we just knew what play we was going to call. We got in the huddle, just relaxed, took a breath, and then we just <laughs> – and the rest is history. So did you think Arch was going to shoot it? Or did you knew who, did you know he was going to throw it back to Chris? I didn't know what Archie's going to do, to be honest with you. I, I had no idea. I was looking at I'm calling for the ball in that. I'm I'm running towards Archie, hands ready. Yeah. Calling. He locked, I locked eyes with him. I think he's about to throw it. But I can't hear Chris. So, apparently, he said Chris is just yelling, Arch, Arch behind him. I guess because, like, you know, you saw the replay. Ain't nobody guarding him. He's yeah. just yelling, Arch, Arch. And, like, the funny thing is, as many times he ran that play, like, that man's never been open. So, like. <laughs> Nobody ever throw that pass like, but I was I watched the replay. I'm like, what was North Carolina doing? Why they got nobody guarding Chris? I watched the replay. Nobody does that in practice. We got somebody matched up. And he's right. wide open. He goes toss it back. Chris, that's money. Like you know, what I mean, he was one of the best shooters I've ever seen. So that was money. Jeez, man, yeah, that was that was that was legendary, man. I feel like just watching it, right? You got three DV guys out there, yourself, Josh, and Chris. So we like we want a natty too, you know? What I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, for real, man. The whole team. So, when the ball goes through the net, man, what's your first thing that goes through your mind? Like, what's 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 the reaction like when that when you see when you see the ball go in? Man, I just just like we won, bro. I just grabbed Chris. I just like damn, we just won the game off that. <laughs> like, the crazy is loud, bro. I, like, I can't hear nothing. I'm just running around laughing, smiling. I jump on Chris. I'm just, I'm going crazy, bro. I'm in, I, I'm in, I'm like disbelief. Like, nah, we didn't win a championship like that. Like at this level, like, and now as a, play every yeah, year, bro, they show it every year. Yeah, it's just like that's iconic in the moment, bro. I just couldn't believe it. It's just every time I see it on the video, it's just like, damn, bro, <laughs> man. 
All right, so I thought the story of that year and that championship was completely different from the second one you guys won. Obviously, the next year you ended up uh, having a knee injury and you were in the red shirt in that season. Was that, that was the same knee you had injured the year before you said was messed up? Is that the same yeah. knee? Yeah, it was the same knee, bro. It was, it was bothering me that, that year, that whole year. They kind of got it wrong, and then I kind of had to get it fixed again. So, yeah, that was a whole little thing on my knee for sure. Okay. So that next year, this is a completely different team. Obviously, some of the guys still there as far as yourself and um and, and Brunson. But if I remember correctly, Mikhail and Eric had registered that first Natty Chip year, right? Uh, Mikhail that first year, but he was a registered okay. freshman, so he played a little bit. Yeah, he was like – he. He played a little bit that year. Eric redshirted that year. And so did yeah, okay, yeah. So Eric and Dante redshirted, and Mikhail was a freshman. So that second year, you got Eric in the fold now. You got Amari Spellman in the fold. You got Dante in the fold. Um, you guys have a completely different team. Y'all really running through, you know, college basketball that 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 second year in 2018. Just And then that was a y'all, Molly, Oklahoma in the Final Four with, with Buddy Hill. That was a wild game. Um, yeah, yeah. But talk about just that season, you know, what it was like just kind of running through the 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 college basketball season that year, man, and just just to talk about that that team as a whole. Man, it was a dominant year, and we just we just knew we were really good too. I think that was that was way different 2016. Like 2018, we like had that feeling like, nah, we locked in, ain't nobody really beating us. So in the 2016, we had that feeling. 2016 was kind of like to stay together. We, we was older. It was more mature team. We it was tough. You know, it was different. 2018, we were so talented, and then we, we were so gifted on both ends of the floor. And, and like, man, if we tough and we play hard, nobody could beat us. So I mean, I think we lost four games that season. I, I missed two of them because I had a broken hand. So we we didn't miss, we lost like two games fully fully healthy, right? Which is crazy. So then we we got to the Big East tournament rolling. I mean, we just we just for dominant year that year. I don't know. I think it was like number one for like for most that year by far. It was crazy. Yeah. Now that year, uh, Jalen wins national player of the year. Um, that was the year before he went to the league, and that year, kind of Dante had a, a Phil Booth esque performance uh, in the ninety chip. That kind of that changed his whole you know draft situation. Um, you know, what was it like for those, for you? I guess being in the backcourt with those two guys. Obviously, they're both you know in the league playing high level basketball right now, but. You know, I feel like Dante kind of had, like I said, he kind of came out of nowhere in that championship game. I, obviously, people who watch basketball know who Dante was and fall and things like that. But I thought like the casual basketball fans, like, yo, who this dude out here frying like this white boy out here cooking, going crazy? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and then Jalen had probably one of the most dominant seasons in recent memory, you know, as, as a point guard and then capping off with Natty Chip. Um, this was like, you know, for you being in the backcourt with those guys as a teammate. Yeah, it's crazy because. 2016, we the young boys, me, JB, Kel. So we kind of young guys. Then we get 2018, you know, all three of us are the captains. So we kind of big homies this team. So Dante having 20 off the bench being a sophomore is kind of how it works. You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wasn't supposed to get the 20 because I'm the young guy. You know, you got the older guys on the court, and it's always like, you know what I mean? The older guys are starting, and the young guy come off the bench. He just comes out wilding. You know, he's playing free. And I think that's how it's kind of how it's meant to go, you know? So. I mean, shoot, that year JB was going crazy. I didn't. <laughs> it's funny what he's doing now because I was like, he was doing the same thing that year. If you look at what he did that year in college and national play of the year, bro, he plays the same way. Of course, his game has gotten very tweaked a couple things here, but like, he was dominant, bro. That dude was shooting like 60 something from the field, like 50 something from three, bro. He wasn't missing. Posting up 
six eight dudes. Like he was doing whatever. And then on the side, uh, a kind of different player at the time was Mikel, who's a three man. Mikel was a defensive, just everywhere, arms, hands, on everything. Catch the shoe, back door, dunking. You know what I'm saying? Two different type of players. Mikel's just the energy bug, you know. And playing next to both of them that really got it done at two different type ways was crazy to see. Yeah. And then you had Dante who kind of got going late. And he had some big games throughout the season. I know he came off the – he averaged 13 that game, but he averaged like – I think he had some games. We had 30 during the season. He would have some breakout loud games like that yeah. where you saw shit where, you know, it wasn't his first time. Like, if he gets, he's one of those dudes, if he gets a roll, just keep going in, we just keep playing, throwing and feed him. So, I mean, it was so much talent on that team. Uh, it was. And then see how it all turned out now is even better. So you mentioned it, like seeing how it all turned out now. I mean, obviously Jalen and McKay are both, you know, playing for the Knicks and Nets respectively. Um, you know, Dante's won the NBA championship. Like, what has it been like to see these guys, you know, not only become NBA players, but like specifically with Jalen and McKay, I mean, those guys are like franchise cornerstones, you know, right now for two, for the Knicks and the Nets, right? Like you mentioned, I feel like McKay was like a role guy for you guys. He did a lot. He was an important guy, but. I feel like a lot of people didn't really foresee him doing this. And Jalen, it's crazy, man. I, I was playing with uh, Team Mello for a summertime uh, before I went to prep school. Um, and we played against we, – we went to a tournament called The Eight uh, in Vegas. It's like a Nike tournament. So we played against Team Final. Yeah, yeah, we played against Team Final, Mac Irvin. Boy, Jalen gave us 30, like the hard way. I'm talking about all old man buckets and <laughs> pivots throwing his body, bro. It was nothing. We could, it was me. Uh, Miles Stokes was on that team. Uh, we had Kyrie Thomas. We ended up going to Creighton, played in the league for a little bit. But we had a, a good team, too. He was doing us ridiculous. But it's crazy because, obviously, he went in the second round. And I feel like when he got drafted, everybody's like, oh, he's going to be like a backup point guard, you know, kind of like the Tyus Jones role. But he's not – nobody foreseen him kind of doing what he's doing now. You know, so for you to kind of – obviously – be teammates with those guys and to see what those guys have become now, you know, in the NBA. You know, what's that been like for you? Are you surprised kind of seeing what those guys have become? It's shocking to you. You know, did you like, what, you know, how do you kind of assess all that? Cause it's crazy to see how far they've come. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. Just the, the level they at right now, you know, and it's, it's still early in their career. They both still like really even hit their real prime yet, you know? So, I mean, both was workhorses though. And the fact that JB, was able to do what he did with the Knicks. It's crazy. You know what I'm saying? He just took his game to another level. And I felt like Mikhail always had that scoring bug that you see now, like that scoring thing to him. He wasn't utilized like that with us at much at Nova. Uh, more role play. Same with the Suns. Shoot, was the same thing. So when he finally got in that light and got to Brooklyn, he was like, man, I, you know, he'd been waiting on this, you know. So see how them both just took their games to another level was just crazy. And the consistency they both do with that and the way they do it. I think it was there all along, but I think they're both in the rapper teams where they can show it to the to the maximum ability, you know. So both of them dudes running New York right now. And uh it's crazy to mention both of them guys running New York. And you also got, you know, Josh Hart with the Knicks, who's gonna be a free agent this year. So hopefully he comes back. But I feel like I want to ask this, man, because I feel like from the outside looking in, right? Like you all are all super close. Like we see the press conferences with Jalen and Josh always cracking jokes on each other and, and, you know, being, being, being goofy. And I always see you guys with yourself and Mikhail, like uh, Eric, y'all are all super close even to this day, man. Like, I know you guys went on vacation last summer together. Like, I feel like it's something just about you, the Villanova guys, man, you guys kind of stick together 
a little bit differently. I, I feel like I noticed um, other guys from other college programs. Like, number one, why do you think that is? And then, like, you know, just talk about, you know, your relationship that, 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 that you have with those guys, man, even to this day at the college, you know, you know, four or five years removed from when you guys played together, you know, you guys are still, you know, thick as thieves. You talk about, you know, your relationship, you know, even even now. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's it's like, you know, you get to college and we really clicked off rips. Me, Mikael, E, like, me and Mikael got the, we, we was living together, our freshman year together, but we just clicked instantly. And then, uh, and then when you play together, you win together, you go through battles together like that. I think that stuff even adds to it. Just all the off the court fun we had, just being at Nova and hanging out and you know partying, doing whatever we was doing, and just all that time we had together, bro. And I think we had a strong foundation. It kind of just went like that. It's like real, real brothers for real. You know, we talk every day, and uh, I think just winning together too helped a lot. Just being in those tough moments and battles together, bro. And we just and we just stayed tight. It's kind of the culture we had. We was always with each other summertime on the road, you know, eating together. Like, we was just always together like that. And it kind of just stayed that way. I think we just met each other, you know, at the right time. So, you know, I got to put you on the spot, man. You know what I'm saying? Got to. And I want you to give your honest answer. Which team is better, 2016 or 2018? Who are you taking and why? <laughs> Oh man, you know what? They have this they have this debate all the time. You no, know, I played on both, so I, I'm kinda, you know You unbiased. You unbiased yeah. you played on both. Well whenever we get all get together, you got guys in twenty sixteen like Chris and Daniel and Archie, and then you got guys twenty eighteen that was only on that team, like Omari or E. It's so funny, bro, because they both think they both think one is better than the other. But I mean, for me personally, I still go twenty eighteen, you know. I just think we was just so talented and so gifted physically on that team that we would just been a little bit too overmatched for 2016, but it's been a hell of a game. I mean, I love both sides. They both my guys on both sides, you know, so it's always tough, but just a little edge of 2018, man, just slight edge. So where do you rank? I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Where would you rank that team, man, as far as college basketball teams have come through in the past 10 or 20 years, man? Because I feel like, number one, if you think about it, like I said, just the run that you guys had was ridiculous, right? I mean, you had obviously the, the Baylor team that just won a couple years ago was pretty good. I think only lost like one or two games when they beat Gonzaga. Um, but a couple of teams, and where, where do you think you guys sit? I mean, around you know some of the best college basketball teams that have come through, you know, in, in recent memory. I mean, we gotta be up there. I remember they had the stats from that year about winning margin in the tournament we had the most of shoot like. Like field goal percentages from three or something that run was like one of the best ever. Oh, we were like the best offensive rated team ever. That you know what I'm saying? So I, I got to put in the top five easily of the top last 20 years. I can say that easily. How high you can be in the top three for sure. I have no problem putting us in the top three in there. I think we can we can compete against all of the best teams you can name in the last 20 years. I think the way we did it, how we did it, dominated, and then how the guys were after two explains a lot, just shows how talented that team was, you know. Thanks. So, yeah, I think I think it speaks values. I think JV and Mikel playing like this even keeps it going up, keeps the price going up on it, really. So <laughs> it was how loaded that team was. But I think we could be honestly top three, to be honest. I love it. I love it, man. Um, now I want to talk about you know you your career personally, man, because I feel like like I said, man, we we came out the same year. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like as somebody who's kind of grown, you know, with you, right? It's been crazy to see, and when you look back on your career. Obviously, we, we played you guys at Quinnipiac my senior year, but I, I read sure they had a back injury, man. But 
just looking back at your career, man, you're only the ninth player in Villanova history to score 1,500 points, 300 assists in your career. Like I said, two-time national champion, all Big East, right? Like, I mean, you've had a crazy college career in your own right. You know what I'm saying? And when you think about the guys in DMV that have come through, right, like Nolan Smith, Natty Chip, Quinn Cook, Natty Chip, obviously, you know, Nate and Josh both won national championships. Man, there's been a crazy amount of guards. You know, Melo Trimble, who was in our, our class as well, that had a crazy college career, right? How do you reflect on your own college career, man? And, like, just what do you think you – how do you, I guess, you know, uh, what does it mean to you to kind of be in that conversation as truly, like, one of the best guards to come out of that DMV area, you know, when it comes to your resume? And when you, when you look at the total body of work, points, winning, like, you did it all. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, how does it – how do you re reflect back on your college career, man? And what does it mean to you to truly be one of the best guards – you know, to come out of DMV as far as what you did in college? I mean, it's special, man, even that conversation. Because when you come to college, man, you don't know what you're thinking. You're just trying to get, find a way to get on the court. And that's always on my mind. So the way the career turned out, I did five years there, two chips, the wins, the memories, man, unbelievable. I don't even know how I got to that point. I just really kept my head down with it. And uh, I learned so much playing there. Coach Wright was a big homie there, too. And I, I feel like he really pushed me to be a complete player. I think I just Took my game to another level when I got there. Just scoring, playing defense all on the both sides of the floor, man. Just there's been some great guards that came out of Nova. So yeah. even to be in the convo is crazy, man. With the Cal Lowry, Allen Ray, Randy Foy, JB, Scotty Reynolds, Corey Fisher, man. It's a lot of dudes on that line, you know, that can really hoop and really put in put in work before I got there. So just even mentioning that and just, you know, when you just going to school, you're not even thinking about that. So to come out the way it did, man, it was special. One of them ones for sure. One of them one for sure, man. Definitely got to give Brody his flowers. Um, yeah. Now, definitely got to mention Coach Wright, man. Obviously, he just retired, uh, not this past offseason, but last offseason. You know, Coach Neptune is the head man over there now. Did you ever see that coming? Like, did you did you get a sense he's going to retire soon? Was it a shock to you when you found out he was retiring? And, like, like what, what, what was going through your mind when you finally heard the news? Like, damn, like, he really – because I feel like, Coach Wright is older than what he looks like, but when you look at you like he ain't even that old. Like you feel me? Like yeah, Coach, yeah, yeah. Like to. Coach Wright, he keep his suits. You know what I'm saying? Tailor, right. like, right. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. would you was was you were you surprised when he decided to retire? And like, did you know that was that was coming? I mean, man. So at this time, I'm overseas at this point. I'm in, I'm in Belgium, so I'm really not tapped in. You know, I'm not, I'm not really knowing what's going on at the spot. I'm just seeing the games when I'm on highlights, stuff like that. But I'm not in the program no more, so I don't really know. And uh, the guys on the team at the time weren't telling me anything about that being going on. And I'm talking to them. So uh, I always knew, he, he always said, whenever I didn't have a flag, I had enough. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, keep on coaching. So I feel like he was somebody that had to be 120% in or he couldn't do it. So I feel like he got, I guess he got to that point where he couldn't uh, where he couldn't get that done. But the whole retirement thing and transition to Neptune was like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because that was my guy when I was there. I mean, he worked me out uh, on the court and all that stuff. And I mostly trained with him when I got shots up. So I think he was like, wasn't he? He was like the second or third assistant. And when I first got there, yeah, he was under done leaving it, asked him. So for him to work his way up, go to Fordham, have a good year, then like coach retired and bringing Neptune back. I'm like, whoa, what the hell going on? So, you know, yeah. it was a lot. So I'm ha I was happy for him and happy for both. Coach went out in the right way. You know, he wanted to go out like that. He went to the Final Fours last year, too. So happy for him. But happy my man Nep get the opportunity now to take the program up to another level. Right. So when you talk about 
some of the great coaching in college basketball, people always mention, you know, the Coach K's, you know, Bill Self. They always mention the Tom Izzo and stuff like that. And I feel like um, recently, obviously, after you guys won those two night chips, you know, Jay Wright's name has kind of entered that conversation. But I feel like for the people who know about college basketball and the impact he's had on the game as a whole, can you just talk about the type of coach uh, Coach Wright is um, and, you know, why he truly should be mentioned in that same breath as some of the all-time great coaches in college basketball? I mean, man, Coach Wright, he's demanding. You know, he, he, you ain't coming in there. It ain't sweet. It ain't easy. Whatever, he going to push you and challenge you. And I think probably the best thing he does that makes him what made us successful and what got him to that level he is now is he figures out how to get the most out of his players. He figures out how to motivate you to get you to do more. He's a good motivator. He knows how to what, what to say to what player to get him going, you know. I said, that's got to be a skill for a coach. You know, if you say the wrong thing to some players, they're like, I'm off you. Like, no, whatever. Right. But he figured out how to ways how to really communicate well what he wanted and how he wanted it. And he was and he was good at that, man. He was good at getting us to play on the same level on the same page and be on the and really play for each other. He really made it, you know. So he, he was good at that, man. You know, a lot of coaches can't challenge the way he do. So and he gave you freedom on one side of it too. I mean, I, I still believe Coach Wright, he's a player's coach to me. Uh, he was always kind of just thinking of a player's way. And uh trying to make it more successful for you on the court and off the court too. So, I mean, yeah, he, he was a special dude, special motivator. I think that's probably one of the best things about him was really was how he was able to get the most out of you and push you, but still like be kind of cool with you off the court. You know what I mean? He was a cool dude. Thanks. Now, <clears throat> being a part of the media, you know, I've been able to have a couple of connections in the college basketball realm and I've heard that Villanova got that nice NIL bag going now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> was one of the main reasons why Justin Moore decided to come back to Nova this year at the public portal. Now, for you being a guy who is a two-time Natty champ, you know, 20 points in the Natty, do you ever think back on what type of NIL bag you would have got at Nova if you went college? Man. I'm just a couple years too late, bro. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> I mean, man, I mean, just coming out of that, I think my all time, coming off of 2016, we had NIL chance, man. I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> how, you know, it could have been crazy. Who knows if we can get that second chip if we got the NIL coming in? You know what I mean? Man. Just all the players could be leaving, money coming in, dudes like different. It could, it could have been all went south, bro. So, yeah, I was coming in today, man. I, I mean, I wouldn't trade my cost for nothing, but damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. you definitely had a couple couple extra six figures in that account for sure if you was back in college. For sure. <laughs> Um, so I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. Obviously, at the college, you know, you were able to kind of um, sign a deal with the Wizards, you know, and coming out of college. Um, talk about, number one, just what that whole experience was like, and then being a hometown kid from the DMV, you know, getting the opportunity to to suit up for the Wizards um, and the go-go in that first season, man, just what that really was like, um, what that training camp experience was like. If you ever had, like, a – um, yeah, just kind of that that first – what was them, them emotions, you know, when you first kind of got, got it going with the Wizards? I mean, man, it was crazy. That's, that's the closest team to home for me. That was the hometown team for me, really. If I went to an NBA game when I was younger growing up, maybe the Wizards to see Gilbert and them boys, you know. So that was kind of it for me. So going there, getting an opportunity there, play there, 45 minutes of home. My family come see my games. Friends could be there. They'll be close to home. It was love, bro. Um that training camp was nice. I did. I mean, I did the mini camp with them in LA before. I was there for four days, just playing pickup, 
in training camp too, I'm in great shape at this time, playing well. So being out there, guarding, guarding Brad Bill every day in training camp, you know what I'm saying, and on that team. And yeah, John was hurt that year. We had IT that year. Uh was in training camp at that time. Cause you know, that team's way different now. It was really first year. All them dudes, I'm thinking now, probably gone for real. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think they're there right now. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool, man. Then they're going on the it sent me down to G League uh, go go. That was love though. I'm playing in there. I'm staying in DC. Uh I started to get my rhythm going, kind of towards COVID hit playing there. But that adjustment, just a different style of game and college and jumping to the G League to the pro level. All the experiences was great though. You learned so much, man. It was such a just a roller coaster of just this, the day, the that, you know, the game. It, it was a lot, but I loved that year, to be honest. Now, did you have? Did you ever have? A, if you can remember, did you ever have any like welcome to the NBA moments from that training camp experience? We like, damn, it's a little different up here. Like, and if you do, do you have any uh, any stories that 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 kind of stick out from that time? Honestly, bro, I don't got a bad one. I don't got a bad one. I played pickup with them for a month or two before training camp, so I was really there with the team for, I want to say, three months playing every day pickup. I didn't have it bad. I mean, uh, the skill level was crazy and the shot making. That was the biggest thing. Uh, and how hard it was to really guard dudes probably on that island, like how much space it really is out there. Like you really got to defend. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of on your own on that island. So just that, maybe the adjustment, just the game and the speed of the game was different. But I didn't have a bad moment where I was like, damn, this is crazy. Uh, so, so you yeah. had the old pretty well. That's what it sounded like. I, I was solid out there. You know, I was a fifth year senior. So I was I was older. I was a young guy out there. For, I was 23 at that time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Say no more. Say no more. So that next year, you obviously played with the OKC Blue in the G League again. That's kind of the short and, you know, kind of COVID year. Um, yeah. Year. And then the next year, you decided to go overseas. So for you, right, what was the deciding factor in not pursuing the G League again and deciding to go overseas? Because a lot of guys, you know, especially like I said, when with your resume coming out of college, like, man, I'm getting to the league. I should be in the league, right? Like, I, I think I could get there, you know? So... For you, what was that deciding factor in you going overseas instead of continuing to, to chase the, the NBA? I mean, yeah, it was my second year in the G League at the time with OK with the with the OKC Blue. And after that year, I mean, I had a I had an OK year in that bubble, and I was just like, man, I gotta make a change. Either I'm gonna go back one more year, play here, or I'm gonna go to Europe and try to make more money there. And I feel like the the money and the playing situation was just better in Europe. And it's kind of worked out for me that way. And, and you know, I didn't want to waste too many years in the G League, man. We, You know what I'm saying? The years of basketball years, we got short lifespan. You know what I'm saying? So I'm trying to maximize as years I can with this ball thing. So I just wouldn't want to – I didn't want to waste one more year of thinking if I get called up or not, thinking if I don't, you know, trying to force it. So I just made the move before anything else can happen. And that's how it went. Now, what do you think is the biggest difference between overseas and the G League based on your experiences playing in both? I mean, the fight of physicality. I mean, you know, Europe, man, it's a super physical game out here. I mean, uh, that's just how it's played. Um, it's kind of a – Julie's kind of free-flowing in the open. Like, Europe can kind of be like kind of like a chess chess piece game. Like, whatever the mismatch is or whatever this is, they'll find a way to get to it. They can, they kind of manipulate the game more in Europe. Right. And Julie kind of just read and react and play and flow. Like, these guys kind of just – they can really know how to control the game. It's, it's a slower pace. And it's more of a more of a mind game out there playing, to be honest, than anything, uh, as you see at the high level. So 
that was kind of really the biggest adjustment, just learning the different terminology, the different, uh, like the different rotations on defense rotate way different in Europe and the G League. It was really weird to me, like the positioning on defense, all of that stuff's weird. No space out there, you know, so it's all different, bro. Now, you've had the opportunity to play in, in Belgium. You've played in uh, Montenegro. You've played in um, Turkey this past season. Um, what would you say is – I mean, every country plays a different style of basketball, right? Like, as far as the physicality, as far as the refs, as far as just the on-the-course strategy, right? Like, um, <laughs> what would you say has been your favorite spot that you've played overseas? Um, and I guess, like, from an on-the-court and off-the-court perspective, like, as far as living and things like that, uh, what would you say has been your, your favorite spot you've been to overseas so far? Man, I mean, playing in Turkey was probably the best. I mean, I lived in Izmir. I was in a kind of like a spot by the beach. It was sunny every day, palm trees. The weather was great. It was pretty Americanized, too, in terms of just the restaurants and chains, you know, like Popeye's or Burger King, whatever you were thinking of. It was just uh, Popeye's over there? Yeah, they have Popeyes, but they ain't KFC. Yeah, they got a chicken sandwich. They Popeyes chicken sandwich. Yeah, they got, it. they got it. They got it. You know, they got. K- I've never seen Popeyes over here, but I seen KFC. Really? They had KFC in Portugal too. But we didn't have no Popeyes though. That's they crazy. Bro, a few of them. So it was pretty Americanized and pretty modern. So that was a big. That was a big like surprise to me. Like oh, and uh, on the court wise too, Turkey kind of a free playing game in terms of. Really let your guards get busy. Really let your guards hoop. Like, really do they think? You know, it's kind of a free-flowing league. And I was coming from Montenegro. It wasn't kind of like that. You know, when I got to Turkey, it was like, they let you hoop a little bit more. So, on the court, I really got to play how I wanted to play. It was nice, man. So, going from there, I, I really say Izmir. But I love Belgium, too. Belgium was good. Belgium was cool. Got bump against Ephesus this past year when you was in Turkey. Did you get to play, play against them? Yeah, we played against them at Ephesus. So how was that matchup with uh yeah Vasilya Mitchich, Shane Larkin, Will Clyburn? Talk about that matchup. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Shane didn't play, but Mitchich played, and so did Clyburn. Uh, they smacked was bad too. I think Mitchich was hitting some threes, and uh, Clyburn was doing what he was doing. They didn't really do. They didn't really get too much. I mean, they was just beating us bad. I don't even remember really cooking us that much, but it was just beating bad, bro. So that's that's. Tough team right there, man. Ephes, Anabate, crazy bump. The EuroLeague bump. Um, I was year you decided to just sign with uh, Strasbourg, you know, a team in the French League. Uh, I, believe they, I believe they play Champions League. So talk about your decision to go to Strasbourg, kind of what went into that, and then what you're looking forward to most about, you know, coming to Strasbourg next season. I mean, uh, it was a good opportunity. I felt like I played there when I was in Belgium. I played against Strasbourg. Uh, at their spot, I love their gym. They was in a nice, pretty nice city. Uh, the French league is a good league uh, with a lot of good players. So, I mean, I, I was eager for the opportunity playing in France and uh, want to see what we can do with this team this year, see uh, see what we can do and, and try to make a strong run at this thing. Yep, yep. Now, I feel like knowing you, right, and obviously I feel like uh, people who say point guards, you know, or, or just guards, you know, make good coaches. What does life after basketball for Phil Booth look like, man? Do you ever think about what you want to get into after, like, after you retire, man? Like, you know, I know you got, you got like I said, you got a long time left to play this game, man. You're still playing at a high level, obviously, Champions League, you know what I'm saying? So we're not going to rush that. But I'm saying, do you ever think about just what you want to get into after basketball? You know, what's what does that next chapter look like for you? I mean, yeah, bro. I still want to be around basketball in some sort of form. I just don't know what form, with coaches, scouting, whatever that may be. But, uh, 
I won't be around the game in some form, man. I'm definitely gonna be involved in basketball. I don't know which which part yet, but I take thought. I have like opportunities on both sides of that, just with the people I know and where I've been. So we'll see whatever whatever side I choose, but I'll be involved with the game of basketball. I know that. If you did coach, would you want to coach college? Would you want to do the pro route, make a return to Villanova? Like you ever think about any of that kind of stuff? What would you what, what route would you want to take? Honestly, college is rough, bro. College, coaching in college is hard, bro. That's a lot in terms of just you dealing with younger kids. You got to deal with the school. You got to deal with this a lot of different factors, just basketball. You know what I mean? So I, I saw my college coaches when I was in when I was college. I thought about them. I was like, man, y'all do a lot, bro. You really got to take care of it. You got to work for a coach. You got to work for the school, you know, take care of the players. It's a lot. So that would be the toughest route, to be honest, if it was college. But – you know, we'll see. All right, so got a couple quick hitters, man, before we get you out of here, man. Uh-huh. Um, what would you say is your favorite off-the-court memory or off-the-court story uh, from Villanova? If it was a crazy locker room experience, a crazy night out, you know what I'm saying? What would you say was your favorite off-the-court moment or memory? I mean, give it simple. The first championship when we had the parade in 2016 in Philly. That was love. We're not even the Philly school. You know, we from we outside, we're playing as outside, but coming down to Philly, like after we won that chip the way we won with Christian the shot and just seeing this the whole market streets is flooded. <laughs> it felt like it was millions of people out there, but I don't know how we, it was crazy. Just to have that experience, like all that support and love was crazy, bro. Just being at that parade riding the bus, just just on having that, just that a crazy ass two weeks of just the parade partying. Just two, three weeks right after that shit, bro. That's nonstop. So that's probably it. That parade was love. All right. So now give us uh I guess a, a, a funny story, I guess, from uh from uh one of the one of the guys. I feel like I feel like I was listening to uh Josh on the uh on Taylor Rooks podcast. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that one. He told a story about uh <laughs> first of all, I know you seen Josh's uh breast breast milk tweet that yeah. he <laughs> crazy. That boy is really crazy. But he told his story about him and Jalen were on FaceTime or something. And he said, uh, just talking about their relationship, he was like, I guess and Josh got a got a newborn or whatever. And he said he's on FaceTime with Jalen. He's like, hey, bro, like, hey, hey, my son packing, bro. <laughs> they showed, he's like, bro, what? Yo, boy's off. Yo, Josh, he's looking wild. He's wild. So I I I need I need a story that comes to mind, man. When you think of either Josh, Mikhail, Jalen, man, or just that kind of really shows their their personality uh, that that you could think of. Exact story, bro. <laughs> like the stuff you see Josh say now, like he's always been like that on that. Like you know what I'm saying? He's this is this is how he's always been since I met him. I know him since I was like 15 because of takeover, and he yeah. played one. Josh has always been like this, so I'm glad the world could see him. That's this this man every day in a regular time. Anytime you see him, he's gonna be like acting like that. I got a funny story. Josh got a lot of funny things he did. He's my roommate two in a row for two oh. years. I was really with him, but uh, I don't got no specific guy. I remember, you know what I'm saying? It was so much, so much funny stuff. JB was kind of like the a goofy type too. You know, Josh brings it out. JB kind of really serious, but yeah. He be goofy like that too so he was kind of the same way man they both were silly ass dudes nah facts it doesn't get off that personality to where he's like 
he tried to come off as serious, but you could tell he, behind the scenes, he probably the biggest, the biggest uh, goofball, man. <laughs> um, so what has been the favorite city you visited since you've been playing overseas? You had time on a FIBA break. You had a little bit of uh, vacation time. What's the favorite city you've been to? To London and Milan. I played in London this past year, and I visited last year, and then I visited Milan several times last year, too. I had the chance. Probably Milan, man. It's love down there. Uh, just being in that fashion world, Italy, bro. Just when you get in certain parts of Europe, like Italy or London or, or like, Germany or somewhere in those good spots, man, it just feels like, like damn, this, this is crazy. You know, it's really exciting to see. Uh, so those are probably my two favorite cities right there. London just feel like you're back home. I feel like you're in New York. Mm. They speak in the accent, though. We got Wayne style. We got all the American spots you can think of. That's just, that's just love being over there. Yeah. We just had my boy uh, Stan Okoye on uh, last week's episode. It's going to drop today. He was talking about Milan. I actually met him in Milan. We you, Did you ever get a chance to go to Just Cavalli or uh, vote when you was out there? And then several times, of course. <laughs> yeah, I've been to- <laughs> Great vibes. Yeah. Great nights, man. If you know, you know, man. Uh, um, all right, so obviously the name of the podcast is What's in Your Bag. So – we're going to ask you, what's in your bag? It's a twofold question, right? You step out to the club, what's in your bag? Like, what, what you throwing on as far as the fit? We need to, we need to give us the outfit. And then number two, second part of the question is, what's literally in your bag? You got like a tote bag, you a tote bag, over shoulder bag type of guy. What's going in the bag physically? Okay, what's the fit? You know what I mean? I'm going to the club. I can keep it kind of simple. I might keep a... A nice clean white tee on, maybe, or some type of or some type of graphic tee. The jeans where I'll probably get real dicey. Got to have a good pair of jeans on. Something with some type of design or whatever brand you could think of. What's your favorite type of your favorite brand for jeans? Favorite brand for jeans? What's the brand? I got a brand called M M N N L A. You ever heard of that one? Oh, minimal. I think is that what's called M N L A. It's like M N M L or something like that. M N I think it was like M N M L. I think it's like L A in there somewhere. I, I think, think it is. I think it's minimal L A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Nah, they got some good jeans that kind of just go right. And then on the feet, the feet is crucial. It depends on what type of club I'm going to. I'm going somewhere. I think I'm messing my feet up, or I'm going somewhere like you know where I can where I can wear some some good kicks. But probably some J's in Europe. I ain't tripping. I probably got some J's on. And I definitely got a hat on. Probably like a one or two chains hanging out. That's about it. And the watch on. I gotta have a watch on. Okay, good watch, good watch. Now, what's going in the bag? You got the over-the-shoulder bag, a tote, tote bag, what's going in the bag? Man, I only got, I would only have some candy, and I like some candy in the late night while I'm out. I like some candy in the late night, that's about it. Lacking, your bag is lacking, bro. Listen, when I go out, I got to have a charger in the bag, I got to have a chapstick, I got to have a cologne, I got to have, what else, bro? I got to be, oh, I got the pocket Wi-Fi. You know, in Japan, we got to have the pocket Wi-Fi because you step out, you don't have no service. You know what I'm saying? I feel like your, your bag lacking, gang. You gonna be out there. Uh, I've been here all that before. I already got the cologne on. I already got the phone charged. That's that's already set. I'm already good there. I just need something just to be out for a little bit. Give me a little candy, bro. That's it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so last question we got, man. We always ask all of our guests. Um, shout out to all the smoke because we, we grabbed this segment from them. Uh, who was one person that we should have on the podcast? And whoever you say, you got to help us get them on. You got to give us a little point guard assist, man. Connect the dots for us. 
Uh, you gotta get my boy Jalen Adams on here. He been on here yet? Not yet. Not yet. Definitely gotta All get right. that done. Get Jay to get over here. I can I can see what we get over. We gotta get Jay. Jay got some good stories to tell. Jay got a crazy experience with him. You know, being in the league, playing in the bubble. He really was was around. So I know he got a great story to tell. But I can help him get Jay on, man. Say no more. Say no more. We'll get that done, man. But um. Shoot, we always end off every episode, man, giving giving flowers, man. And like I said, man, it's been an honor to just be able to watch your career progress, watch your career grow ever since 2014, man. Um, shoot, nine years in, still going, still playing at a high level, man. Undoubtedly one of the best guards to ever come out of DMV, man. I just definitely want to, like, obviously let you know that, let you know I'm proud of you, bro, let you know that. I uh, want you to keep going. You know what I'm saying? We're always going to be supporting you here at, at All Facts Media, man. And it's been an honor just to be able to, you know, see what you'll be able to do and, and put on for, for the city, man. So, like I said, for me to you, bro, keep doing your thing, bro. Thank you for coming on, man. It's definitely been an honor, man. Like I said, I know we'll – I'll catch you back in the back in the career soon, man. We can get some runs in or something. Sure, man. Thanks for having me on, bro. I appreciate it, bro. Just going way back. And, uh, you know, we was young guns coming out to see where we at now. Keep going forward. Keep pushing. Don't nothing to stop, man. Just keep on grinding, bro. And, you know, we, we both on the same page with that, bro. So that's love. You know, I'm going to see you on my home for sure. You already know. 100%, man. All right, guys. This has been another episode of the What's In Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. If you're still watching this podcast, man, go ahead and tap that subscribe button. It goes a long way. Um, trying to hit 10K by the end of the summer, man. We're going to hit that goal. You know what I'm saying? Y'all going to help us hit that goal, man. So, Hit that subscribe button. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Stream my boy Pull Up Tay. Music is going to be him on the outro. Until next time, folks, we'll catch you. Suave. Suave. I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different route, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.